Graciano Rubio, welcome to the ranch. Have you been here before? No, it's my first time. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you threw down. Um, I'll let everybody know you just did 225 grace. And what was your time? I think it was 406. Okay, so you beat Rich Froning's time from a few years ago. That's, that's, that's not bad company to be in. That's awesome. Very good job. And uh, I, this meeting was arranged by Dave Castro. He stopped at your gym and he was impressed, you know, in speaking with you and um, just love what you're doing at your affiliate. He sent me your name when we knew we were coming up here and we, we connected that way. And just as a little bit of background to get an idea who you are, I, you know, snuck over to your Instagram and holy shit, <laughs> you are a strong, strong man. Uh, the 330 Isabel, I think, so 330 pounds for Isabel, that's 30 uh, snatches, and you did it in under 20 minutes. Not the first time. Okay, but your best is under, yeah, yeah under 20, so you, you have done it under 20. So I think that's what, what's really gotten you some notoriety. Mm -hmm. But when I'm looking at, at this Instagram, 440-pound uh, overhead squat, have you, have you beaten yeah. that since? No, that was a okay. PR. PR, 440 pounds, so 200 kilo overhead squat. Uh, just the other day, or re very recently, 225 SOTS press. So how many reps did you do? Like three reps? Three. Three. Yeah. Kept it up in the top position of the SOTS press, which is being down in the, in the bottom of an overhead squat, doing presses with the bar behind the head. Kept it up and then stood up with it. And you've told me you've done that with 300 pounds. Correct. And then uh, 375 pound press. Yep. Strict press. Yep. Okay. I just want to throw those out there so people know that why I am so amazed by your, by your, by your numbers. I guess the first thing I want to ask you is, um, when did you get started? When did you, when did you first remember having an interest in lifting or the strength game? That goes back. Uh, that goes back as far as I can remember. So, I can't think of a time that I wasn't interested in it. I th you know I think my goals and why I do it has changed. Mm -hmm. um, but I was always interested from day one. So probably some of my earliest memories, you know, my brother is 11 years older than I am. Okay. So you go back to like some of your first memories, probably like five, six years yep. old. Yep. You know, so he's 16, 17. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember my brother and his group of friends, you know, they were so much older and bigger and stronger than me, you know, that I wanted to be like that. So that goes back as far as I can remember. Were you around them when they were lifting? Like, did, were they lifting in the garage or anything where you could just hang out and no, see not, it? No, not or? really lifting, just, uh, just the just physique. The, just the physique. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, one of his best friends was, went on to play college football. He was 6'5", 275. Okay. You know, yeah. my brother among his group of friends was the small guy, you know, and he's a big guy. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, him and all of his friends, that, you know, which is unusual, you know, to see a group of teenagers that big. So I didn't realize it at the time that that was a unique experience. It was just normal to me. Like, oh, that's what, you, that's what you're looking forward to, where you're looking to be at. Right. You know, without realizing, you know, as a kid, like that's not normal. Right. Like this group of people is not normal to, to look up to. You shouldn't, you shouldn't look at them and expect you're gonna be there. Yeah. But they were um, normal to you because it's what But you in my mean. environment, it was, that's just yeah. what it is. So yeah. um, that goes all the way back as far as I can remember. And probably my first, my first real interest was pro wrestling. Okay. You know, from the, from, I, back in the day, they used to have the little cable box. They used to have a little black box. You get the, uh, you get all the pay-per-view. Yeah, 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 I remember so those. Yeah. I remember my dad bringing one home, and then I would watch all the WrestleMania. Yep. So 
I'd be six years old watching all the WrestleManias. Anytime there wasn't pay-per-view boxing on, yeah. uh, my dad would let me watch the pay-per-view wrestling. DDP. Yeah, all, everybody. Yeah, everybody, yeah. So. Hulk Hogan even maybe back then. Or was, Hulk Hogan, yeah, Randy yeah. Savage. Yeah, Macho Man. Yeah. Every single one of them. So probably my first memories are these guys and not just not just the strength and the size but the athleticism right you know the showmanship yeah um the when you look at a, a people like that like you know strong when you see it yeah like you know right away yes so guys at this size moving that athletically you know that was my first impression it wasn't purely from a weightlifting perspective it was just from more of an overall athletic perspective seeing dudes that are you know near 300 pounds flying off the ropes yeah. Um, that kind of sets your, your mentality early on. You want to be like that. Right. Yeah. So all the way from, uh, from early on and then, you know, it was kind of a dark period when I was old enough to realize that it was fake. Yeah. Not yeah. scripted. Right. 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 Scri- you know. What? Not everything is, is Wrestling's what not it real? appears. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you know, that kind of transitioned to strongman. And so... I grew up, you know, I really came of age in like the Marius Pujanowski era. Yes. Where it wasn't, yes. it wasn't pure strength. It wasn't all about the one rep max. It wasn't all about the, just the, the top weight. It was about speed. It was about endurance. It was more athletic. It became watching, athletic. watching him torch someone yeah. and do this medley in 20 seconds yeah. that a guy 50 pounds heavier takes a minute to do. Right. And when you're watching that. The, and he looked good doing it. Right. He, he when, you, when you're watching someone, you know, outperform it, like triple the work, triple the output. Right. You know, if it's for reps, he's putting up 15 reps. The next guy's putting up seven. You know, that kind of that kind of display of, of ability. Um, I kind of transitioned from from wanting to be a pro wrestler to like I want to be a strongman like that, mm-hmm. like one of those guys. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of kind of what uh, guided my not my training because then I started training probably to about 13, 14. Okay. But, you know, what you aspire to, you know, first seeing these That's big, what you had in mind. Yeah, yeah, big, athletic, strong guys. And then um, seeing, seeing people like Pujanowski with that level of with athleticism and power um, combined with the strength. Mm-hmm. So that's always that's always been like a, a central element of my training is just because it's cool, you know, for no other reason, you know, especially a sport like strongman where you're testing multiple um, multiple kinds of strength. Um, I always looked at that and, and wanted to be like that. Yeah. So if I mean, if if that's where you aspire to be, and that's been the role model you've had for so many years, when you get the chance, like you said, you probably started really training around 13, 14. Mm-hmm. You love it, right? Like, like it's not someone just dragging you to the gym and forcing. You're biting at the, chomping at the bit. Yeah. So I was, I was, uh, I started. I started really training because I went to high school and I started working out for football. Okay. But it was what what made the biggest difference is my mom started letting me ride the city bus. So now I could go on my own. Before I'd always have to, I'd always have to bug someone to take me to the gym. So you'd miss whenever you couldn't get, so it was inconsistent. So I would go on the weekends. Maybe I could, I could force my dad to go on a weekday. Right, right. Um, But it wasn't like a consistent thing. And so, so you're not saying you weren't training at the school for football. You took it on yourself to train for football. Both. Oh, you know, okay. Okay. I would, I would go, but you know, the, the gym's only open specific times. Yeah. So if if I couldn't make it at that time, or you know, be open Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Right. But then Tuesday, Thursday, 
you know, I'd bug my mom enough. Be like, all right. So finally she came. Be like, all right, you can ride the bus out there. I'll pick you up after work. Okay. So I would ride the bus to go work out mm -hmm. and then just not tell anyone that I was only 14. They just, then no one questioned it. Right. No, you know, no one was like, oh, you know. Because this was a commercial gym. Yeah. Yeah. No one's, no one's stepping, you know, no one's stepping in being like, oh, you know, this, this guy's not 18 or whatever the official right. rule was. Right. I just blend in, mind my business, you know, be respectful and no one knows, no one's any wiser to right. it. Um, so that's where I really started training all the time was that I could ride the bus and it's only up to me to get it done. So that was my, that was my daily routine, you know, all summer, hop on the bus, ride all the way out there. Um, if it was early, I ride the bus back. My mom picks me up from school. Yeah. And what, where'd you get your training plan from? Like, were you making it up? Were you taking it from your brother? Or? At first I just went off the internet. Yeah. At, so probably yeah probably around that same that same time there was a handful of websites that was putting out all of the strongman powerlifting bodybuilding information and so like t nation was it t nation okay. bodybuilding.com yep. elite fts yeah and there was a few other that were kind of hit and miss right but those are the main three yeah they put everything out there yeah and so you you, you develop a really good bs detector Yes. Because there's some there's some really gold, some really really good articles out there. Charles Poliquin on T Nation. Yeah, so T Nation yeah. had Poliquin, had Dan John. Dan John, yeah. Um, who's probably my favorite from like a application of sports yes, perspective. Absolutely. Um, Especially strongman because that throwing is so so close. Yeah. So Dan training. John, I probably take the most information from Dan John than anyone else. Mm -hmm. um, Poliquin stuff was a little out there, yeah. where it's like, the tempo. I get the concept, yeah. but that's more for like an advanced Olympic athlete, not where I was at. Right. Uh, Dan John's stuff was like real simple, straightforward, and it was, you know, get a barbell in people's hands and work hard. Yep. And that was Body like all of his piece. stuff. So yeah. everything that he put out there was applicable for a beginner. So I took a lot of his stuff and then um, kind of went off of you know, templates okay. for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, and that was this really, isn't normal for a 14 year old, by the way. If it, <laughs> no, so what would, you know, during this time, you know, my mom, my dad would go to sleep at eight, eight o'clock mm -hmm. and then my mom would probably go to sleep at like nine. Mm -hmm. So I would hang out and I would wait until they're in bed and I'd go, you know, we had a computer room. So I'd wait till I knew they were asleep and I'd go sneak in and you know, be real quiet, turn the computer on. <laughs> and then I would just read, read all these articles. So I'd start, I'd start with what's new, you know, what just came out. And so this is like 2005, six, this is like the golden era of like the, those top strength yeah. coaches putting yeah. stuff out there. Not, and it wasn't monetized back then. Right. This is just the top guys putting it out there and sharing, you know, what they learned over decades. Yep. And I'd go read all the new stuff and if I'd finish, I'd go in the archives and be like, oh man, they put this stuff out like three years ago. Um, and I just whittle down through the archives, everything on T Nation, everything, every archived article that they had. Yeah. Um, and that's where I learned, that's where I learned about training was awesome. quickly filtering out like, you know, I'd, I'd learn, go to the gym and practice it. Then quick, quickly filter out like, oh no, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Yep. This guy's a stud. This guy, his argument is clear. Why, everything that he does, he explains why they're doing it, and you can see the, the results of it. Yeah. So that's how I spent age, you know, probably 13 to 16, was every single night. I probably spent at least an hour reading oh, through all awesome. these things over and over and over again. 
Um, and I'd be getting chewed out at school because you falling know, asleep. No, I, I, I wasn't oh, reading that stuff. I'd be, you know, I wouldn't have, I didn't read a single page of the great Gatsby because I'm, right. like, I'm not <laughs> reading. <laughs> but I'd go home yeah. and I'd wait, I'd be up, you know, two, three hours at night till midnight sometimes just reading all, you know, how to train. Yeah. So I'd still be reading hours a day. It just Studying wasn't is not a chore when you like that, right. right? It just yeah. wasn't. It just yeah. wasn't the Great Gatsby. It right. was. Yeah. It was articles from Dan John about the one lift a day method. One lift a day. I was going to say. And yeah, uh, reading it, memorizing it, understanding exactly why they do yeah. it, um, and that's where that's where I started with that fifty to one method. Okay. Is that that kind of started when I was young, really young, messing around with the uh, the one rep max charts. Mm -hmm. And that's where like the central idea came from. And then I started doing that in combination with these other programs. And that's what I've done ever since, okay. since I was like 14. What kind of results did you, did you see fast results where people know, they were like, wow, what are you doing? Yeah, that was. I assume you did. Um, probably the big one. I remember I hit my first 315 bench press mm -hmm. and then my first 405. So those are like the first two big marks of a football player. And so how old like were you? 14 and 16. So that Four was like- Four five and 16 is, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so that was the, you know, what got me to that point is then I just tightened up those ideas and got them a little, a little cleaner mm -hmm. each time, you know. Every, every, you know, training block, let's say, you know, just tighten up the process a little better and Add a little bit more of what works. Cut out a little bit. Um, cut out a little bit of the stuff that's probably fluff or redundant, and just tighten that process up so that it's repeatable. So the most efficient. So we can call it the minimum effective dose, or just the most efficient use of your time. Correct. You, you said before uh, on another podcast, and I like this because it it really helps guide the training. Remember Pareto, you know yeah. the eighty twenty. So you were looking at that twenty percent and knowing, okay, this is the 20% that's getting me the 80, and then being really tight with anything else you were doing, like, okay, do I need this or do I not? Like, can I, can I remove something here and get the same results? Yeah, though, you know, in CrossFit, we, they teach that intensity is the main driver of results, mm -hmm. but intensity is hard to measure. It's, it's difficult to put an actual score on what that intensity is. So what I was doing early on was I took an average, you know, you have your one rep max chart, you know, let's say you can do five reps at this weight, you know, you have an estimated max of this. So I kind of took an average of those formulas to be able to say, like, if I do five reps at this, let's say, you know, that gives me an estimated max of 300. And then I do a set that's an estimated max of 301. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a harder set. You won. Yeah. You, you, yeah. That is a you harder beat. performance than yep. last week. Yeah. So that was the idea I had very early on. Is so instead of trying to beat the actual weight mm -hmm. that's on the bar, you're setting what we could call a rep record. Your right. predicted max from the reps at this weight beat the predicted max from the reps at that weight. Correct. Okay. So you're setting, you're setting rep records right. because adding five pounds is a lot of times too much or adding one rep is too much. That's, that's such a big jump. If seven, Absolutely. if last week seven reps was like, man, that was everything I had. I can't it's go in. It's unrealistic to I can't expect go, eight. I can't, I can't go, there's no way. You're and psyched no, out before you- can't do you, 7.25 or seven and a half, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So the other, the other fault was a lot of times when you move from higher reps, let's say sets of eight to 10, mm -hmm. 
down to the heavier weights, you know, sets of two and three, the results don't always translate. And a lot of times that's because as we add weight, the set's not actually harder, you know, because you're adding weight, but the, the reps get less, obviously. And it's not actually more difficult. You know, it's hard to say if I do a set of 10 here and I progress and now I'm doing a set of five, you don't have a good way to know which one's harder. Right. So by converting both into like an estimated max, mm -hmm. I know that set of five was tougher. So in thinking of something like a minimum effective dose, my goal every single week was I walk into the gym, I want to do one thing harder than anything I've done before. Right. That's it. Awesome. That's my minimum effective dose. I hit a new level of intensity that I haven't hit before. If I can do that, I'm out of here, you know? And this was basically programmed on a main exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very similar to something like the Dan John one lift a day. Yeah. Gotcha. One lift. Yeah. I'm going to build up to one set. It's the hardest set I've ever done. If I make it, I'm out of here. Yep. I'm going to pack my gym bag. I'm going to go home. I got other stuff to do. That, so that's kind of set as like the minimum. I have to do that if I want to get stronger. Yep. If I want to train beyond that, I can train, but this is optional. This is because I like to be in the gym. At this point, this is where I work on weaknesses. Okay. You know, I'm unstable on this part. I need to do some dumbbell work. Um, maybe I'm not in the kind of shape I want to be in. I need to do conditioning. Everything on top of that is all the little parts of, of your fitness that, that strength might be the main goal. So I need to get in the gym. I need to hit a new level of intensity. All the other things come after that. So I'm not going to come in and then do back down sets. I'm not going to beat myself up. I already, I already did something hard enough to get stronger. Hit my minimum effective dose. Yep. All the way up until the point of maximum recoverable volume, I want to fill all that stuff up with the stuff that's going to make me stronger long term. Right. So when I look at a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, you know, I don't have a flexibility problem. I don't have a speed problem. I don't have a conditioning problem. I don't have these other attributes that you neglect. That are holding you back. Right, because I'm looking in the future being like, you know, this last lift, you know, it was kind of slow. You know, really, I don't know if I'm, if I'm going to be able to continue progressing without being faster and more explosive. So once the, the back squat, for example, once I've built up to that one set that's harder than before, I'm going to add something in that's going to develop my speed. Or I'm going to add something in if I'm getting tired during my workout, not recovering well. I'm going to add something in to boost my work capacity. It might mean I need to drop the weight on the bar and I do um, some timed sets, higher volume stuff, but all the way up until that point of maximum recoverable volume. So it was, it was really that idea of the 51 method was really from early on, being a teenager just goofing off on the internet like, um, and then thinking, well, wait a second. Like if every week I go in and just do one thing harder, like isn't that all you need? And then 17 years later and training tons and tons of people um, in that same way, that is all you need. All this other stuff um, doesn't, doesn't work as effectively as actually going in the gym and doing something harder. And I've tried to explain that in the sense of, you know, we're here in Aromas, and if you take a little drive, you're gonna see all these farms and you're gonna see people who in the course of the day put in a higher volume of work Absolutely. than everybody's favorite fitness influencer. Yeah. Just in, in a full 12 hour day, they just crush them in terms of the volume of work that they perform, but they don't have a bigger deadlift. Right. Because it's, it's not the amount of work that's important. Uh, it's the intensity, intensity of the work. 
and it's the way that you add pro progression over time. Mm -hmm. What they're missing is that increase in intensity and that progression over time. But in terms of volume of work, they're blowing them out of the water. It's not even close. But they don't have the, the results in terms of strength. Right. And you can take, that's kind of on the extreme end, but you can back that down all the way to just your regular one hour workout and say, is doing more gonna benefit me or is doing something better and harder, harder. gonna benefit me yeah. more? Um, and it's, it's the harder and better that gets the results, not just I'm gonna sacrifice more and I'm gonna train two hours right. and three hours yeah. until you get to a point that this is that all you do all day. Yes, exactly. And it works at first, but after, once you start training, you know, you're there in the gym for three hours and every time you're leaving being like, man, that was all I had. Yeah. You can just mentally get burnt out. Yeah. You and see that with jogging too, people who run, right? Yeah. At first run a mile a day and that, that works, but then mm -hmm. they got to add it and soon they have to run five and then where are you going to end this? Because, at some point yeah. you got to run a faster mile. Yeah. You got to go faster yeah. at some point. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of, that's how I've trained forever. So why is it called the 50 to one method? What's the name represent? It's, it, started, it started off from that Pareto principle okay. that 80% of your results are 20% of what you do. Yeah. But if you, take the, if you take the logical conclusion of that, you get down to about 50 to one. So let's say you take that 20% of your work. Well, you can apply the 80-20 rule to that 20% as well. Okay. And now you have four to 64. Yeah. And if you take that little 4% sliver and apply it again, you're left with 50 to one, gotcha. you know, that little tiny bit is, is all the results. Yeah. So if you have your hour long workout, you're talking 36 seconds. So in the back squat, you know, a set of 10 reps is roughly, you know, a minute, mm -hmm. it's probably less than a minute, but yeah. if you're really pushing, you're resting at the resting top at and the grinding top, it breathing. out. Yeah. That means in that set of 10, you're talking like sets or you're talking reps five to 10. Yeah. So if you're, if you're at 75% of your max or so, you're going for a new 10 rep max back squat. It's those reps, five to 10, that's all your results of this strength workout. Right. Not the warmups, not the, not the skill work before, not the general warmup. Yeah. It's that moment right there where you're staring at the bar and you're like, I mean, the first, the first couple kind of sucked, the next two sucked. You got six brutal reps ahead of you. Those are the reps that are all the progress that's where your results are. Your first, you know, four, five, six, seven reps, that just, got, that just got you to the game. Yeah, it's yeah. the last reps that you get all the results. Yeah. So if you, if you view kind of your key indicator right there, like that's what I want to achieve this session, you back your way out of that. And so the entire session is based, not that, you know, I go into the gym, I load the bar, I go for it, I'm done, I'm in 10 minutes. But knowing what you have to do to get stronger sets the rest of the workout up. So if I know, hey, I'm going for a new 10 rep max, I start thinking, what do I need to do to be ready for that 10 rep max? And I'll say, well, I'm gonna do one rep. You know, if I wanna, let's just throw a number out there, 300 pounds. I'm gonna do one rep, so I'm used to the weight. It's not a shock when I do that first rep and go to the next 10. Okay, so what should I do before the 300? Well, Let's say I need to, the biggest jump I want to take is 25 pounds. So I'll go 275, and then you go all the way down to your warm-up. Yep. What do I need to be ready for 275? You know, I'll go 245, yeah, yeah. 215, 185, yeah. all the way down. So that's my squat workout mm -hmm. from start to finish. 
Now, I'll say, you know, what do I need to do in terms of skill work before that happens? And the answer might be nothing. If you're confident about your squat technique, feels good, mm-hmm. not a particularly you know, difficult lift, um, nothing, I'm ready to squat. Or, hey, I have this one specific problem that pops up, I'm gonna add a little bit of that to correct it before I get into it. And then you go all the way to your general warm up. You know, what do I need to, how much warming up do I need to be, to do to be ready for the, for the specific warm up? So now, all the way from that moment right there, those last like five, six reps, to the start of the workout, I know exactly what's gonna happen. Yep. And from the time I start the workout all the way until I get there, I've been building up. It's been in the back of my head, preparing for, that, for those 30 seconds. You know what counts. Right. Yeah. I'm not going in, I'm not getting on the assault bike and trying to set like a new one minute max calorie. In my head, I know this is just to get me warmed up. This is just to get the heart rate going, yep. feel a little better. When I finish that, I do the specific warm up. I already know what I'm going to do. Hey, I'm going to hit this, this weight for 10 reps. So as I'm doing that specific warm up, I'm envisioning what it's going to be like in that moment. You know, my knee caves in. You know, I'm thinking about that as I warm up. As I do all these sets, that knee is going to be right where, I, where I'm telling it's going to be right here. So when you get to that moment, let's say that took you 30 minutes to get there. I got 29 minutes of sunk cost into this workout. Yep. You know, that, it puts extra pressure on you to force it. You know, I know I have to hit this set of 10. For it to be a success. I've spent 29 minutes screwing around, away from my family, away from my wife, from my wife and kids, not doing other things I could be doing. There's all this kind of stuff that I sacrificed just to get, and I did all this work to get me to this one moment and be able to perform, you know, these five reps. Mm-hmm. Then the pressure builds. And so, you know, you go through that feeling of anxiety and that pressure. Competition. And it forces you to get those five reps in. Yeah. Whereas before, ah, you know what, I'm just going to go and it's going to be a hard set. Yeah. And you don't, you don't really, you go through the whole workout. Maybe you, you, you go too hard on the warm-up. You're kind of tired by the time you get there. It sets the intention of everything you're doing until that point. Um, and then as a coach... And if, if me using it as myself, every single time I don't get it, right? So let's say I, I, you know, I only get nine. It, it, it changes training into an iterative process where every single week I have to answer that question. Am I getting stronger or not? You know, because if last week I got a score of, of 300, today it's only 299. Well, I'm not getting stronger. I'm not stronger than I was a week ago. So what's going to change to make that happen? If the answer might just be, you know, I got to suck it up and push myself a little harder. Mm -hmm. You know, that might work next week and it might work the week ahead. But at some point, that's not going to be the answer anymore. It's just, you know, especially early on for an athlete, athletes learn how to push themselves. They learn how to how to drive and and go for it. Um, So especially like our youth athletes, they'll be like, well, for a while, they can push. They'll be like, I just wasn't into it. Right. I, I, I had more. I just quit on it. They get tougher. They mentally get tougher. And you can see that attitude change of like, no, I'm getting it. Like, I'm getting those 10. I don't care what it takes. You know, but at some point, that's not the answer. And what happens is, since you have to answer that question, you have to be accountable to yourself. You go all the way back, and now you start saying, well, what do I need to do to be ready for the workout, you know, in general? Well, when's the last time you ate? Oh, well, I didn't eat all day. 
well, there's, there's your problem, you know. You're not going to come in here and perform at this level, and six hours ago you had a Snickers and that's all you've had today. Right. You know, we need to fix the diet, you know. And then you're forced to look at all these other, other issues that like apply to the workout. Maybe something that happened within those five. You talked about your knee, so maybe you couldn't stop your knee from caving in, or maybe you couldn't stop your back from rounding. So right. now you're isolating, okay, this is the weak area that's got to be fixed for me to get that extra rep that'll push me over. That, and if I, if, if mentally, you know, that's part of, of, of you're not confident in the squat, mm -hmm. like, well, you skip the, you skip the, the uh, specific warm-up. We're in a time crunch. Mm -hmm. You didn't have time for it. You kind of took too big a jumps getting there. Why did that happen? Well, I didn't schedule my workout correctly. You know, I got off of work. I only had this much time. Okay, we, got, we have a scheduling problem. We have a diet problem back here. How much sleep did you get? You know, what's going on? Well, I was fighting with my wife all day, and then I come in, and I'm just, my head's not in it. Right. You go back, and you, you start working on all these different things that's preventing you from that thing that's getting you better, and you slowly fix those. Right. So at first, you're never going to convince a 16-year-old athlete they got to eat better. But if you fail to set and ask, hey, you know, what are we going to change next week for this not to happen again? It's like, well, I'm going to push harder. Eventually, okay, I, need to get, I should not stay up till 3 a.m. playing video games. Yeah, maybe I should drink some water during the day. All of those things. You connect habits to performance. Right. Or if, you're, if you're performing well, it's really tough to change those habits yeah. because it's like, oh, I, well, why? I went up five pounds. Where yeah. do, where, you're never going to see what it could have been. Right. And the reality is, even if you could, you know, you mentally aren't ready for that level of discipline yeah. because you, you don't see the point in it. You know, hey, I'm making progress, I'm getting stronger, everything's right. But as soon as it breaks down, now you answer that question all the time. Hey, I'm not getting stronger, I gotta fix something now. Instead of waiting, you know, 12 weeks when I go for a new one rep max, and my one rep max isn't there, and now I look back across 12 weeks of training, and you don't remember how things were. You don't remember how your sleep was six weeks ago. You don't remember, you know, all these little things. But I can kind of remember a week. You know, mm -hmm. if, I, if I don't do well on Monday, I can remember what the, how the weekend went. I'm like, well, it sucked because I was drinking on Saturday. I sat around, did nothing on Sunday. And now when I go to squat, my body's stiff and it kind of hurts and it's not that mobile. So the answer might be, well, don't spend Sunday being, a, you know, laying around. You don't need to get up and work out and do something strenuous, but, you know, hold the bottom of a squat for 20 seconds, three times throughout the day. And then when you come in on Monday, you feel a lot better. So the whole aspect of that, of that 50 to one method and having these key performance indicators of this is what I need to do to get better is that you make your training iterative and every time you're not getting stronger, you have a way to go back and assess. Figure out why. What, did I, what can I change um, to make the next you know, training block better? Because I'm looking at it like my training block is a week. You know, I'm not looking at a full 12 weeks right. of progression from start all the way till I hit a new max. I ha I'm looking at it from week to week, week. like am I, prog am I progressing, right. am I getting better? And if I'm not, I need immediate it. change right yeah. now yeah. before waiting three months and saying, okay, I need to change something now. Absolutely. It, it, it allows you to course correct before those become an issue. And that could, it, it's not just the strength training, it's with the conditioning too. Right. You know, if you want, if, if, if your previous Fran time, let's just say it was four minutes, you know, you understand, okay, I need to do it in 359. That's my goal. So 
how am I going to break down this workout to do it in 359? And you strategize according to that. Here's, my, here's, how, here's what my sets are going to be. Here's how much rest I'm going to take. You're not just going to run in there and be like, hey, I'm just going to go by feel. Well, no, it's got to be faster than last time. That's, the, that's, that's the one of the point. <laughs> that's why we repeat workouts. Yeah. To force yourself to work harder because you have to look at yourself from a year ago and be like, well, this is who I was a year ago. Am I stronger now? Mm-hmm. Well, of course. That doesn't, of course I'm going to do 359. And it's the same concept. You know, I would much rather do Fran twice than to do one with absolute 100% intensity you know, as fast as I can. And that's the one that works better. Right. You know, yeah. there's, no, there's no way to compare that feeling afterwards of like how beat up and tired you are to doing something twice. You know, right. I can do it twice and I'll twice. take, you know, I'll take 30 minutes to do it. It's right. not that hard. Yeah, but that's but, not where the results are. Right, yeah. the results is that one time of like, I'm, I, you know, you black out a little bit and you're like, I, this, uh, this sucks, it's the worst feeling ever. So it's, it's viewing it from that lens of the intensity is what matters and then everything else supports that intensity, you know, and they, they help each other. So it's, it's a little naive to view it as like, that's all I have to do when it's like, well, kind of. But that's the most important thing. Yeah. You, you have to do it, but you're not going to be able to do that without all the other right. stuff going into right. it. So right. if I do all that other stuff and then the moment comes and I just kind of, you know, don't get after it, well, you're leaving, you're leaving all your results on the table. Right. But at the same time, without doing all that stuff ahead of time, you won't be ready to go for it. You know, your, 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 your body simply won't be ready to push to that level. So it's, it's taking a viewpoint of, A, what really matters and gets me the results, and then doing everything you need to to support your ability to get there and do it. So let's talk about this. So you've used this method. You used it to prepare for football in mm-hmm. high school. You, and we'll talk about this, you've been a professional strongman, mm-hmm. use this method to prepare for that. Yep. And then transitioned into uh, Olympic lifting and CrossFit. I don't know the timeline of that, but those became focuses of yours. Yeah. Uh, and you use the same method to do that. And you've talked about having indicators, performance indicators. Mm-hmm. Give me an example because I, I understand throughout your week, right, your days are different. So one day might be a squat, one day might be a bench press, and, you know, one day might be a clean if you're doing football. And using the 50 to 1 method, the one thing you need to do is you need to set a record or a, a personal best in the squat, and then on the next day, on the next training day in the bench, and then a clean, that makes your week successful, and then you kind of round it out with all the other things you need. Correct. Let's move that down to strongman. It's the same system. So give me an example of what that looked like, what you were looking at when you were viewing the sport of, of strongman training and some of the performance indicators you were doing and how you attacked that training. <coughs> so I, when I trained for strongman, I would keep it, I would have a handful of really basic exercises that are really easily scalable, which would mean back squat, mm-hmm. you know, deadlift, these things that stay in my training year round no matter what. And that was how I would gauge whether in a general sense I'm getting stronger. If you're just standard back squat, regular old, normal, normal deadlift yeah. bar, normal everything, yeah. if those are going up, then I'm stronger in a general sense. Mm-hmm. That doesn't always translate to sport performance. And so for strongman, I would still go in and I would cut everything down to just the essentials. You know, 
um, back squat, deadlift, overhead press, the few accessory movements like strict pull-ups, a few other ones. And that's every week those you're hitting those. Yeah. Okay. Now, I'd go into the gym and I'd set you know some type of rep PR or something that I would consider a minimum effective dose. This is the minimum that I need to do to get stronger long-term. Anything above that minimum effective dose, I would add with what I consider sport practice. I don't even consider it training. This is sport practice. Technique. Yeah. Yeah. So in order to adequately train for those movements, they need to be heavy enough. So if you're doing a log or you're doing stones or you're doing some other thing, it has to be heavy enough that you mimic the technique. It's not the same, it's not the same technique when it's so light. You're, right. just, you're just crushing right. it. It needs to be heavy enough that I'm refining my technique. So I would do the, those, those basic barbell exercises and then all the way up until the point I can't recover anymore, I would add in strongman movements as from a practice sense. And the whole goal there would be- Lifting a stone, but not a 50 pound stone, but a 200 pound stone. Right. Yeah. So if the, if the competition was, like a common competition will be, like let's say you're doing a stone series mm -hmm. and you'll start off and let's say the top stone is 365 or, or you know, 400 right. or somewhere in that range. It needs to be heavy enough that it's mimicking the technique of what that 365 65. stone is gonna be like. Yeah. And so I might train at 300, you know, I'll train it at 300 because it's heavy enough that the technique isn't going to be significantly different. Right. There'll be subtle differences, but you, you're close enough that this is what it'll be like in competition. And when competition rolls around, I might go a little heavier to prepare. Gotcha. But early on, I want to do as many reps as I can because that's sharpening the technique. That's improving that motor pattern. So. All of my assistance work would be strongman, and I would view it gotcha. the same way that anyone would that anyone would practice for a sport. Um, you're not going to go limit the number of free throws you take. You know, you're not going to limit the number of, of three pointers you take. Your goal is to move with the with the optimal movement pattern and do as many as you can, yep. as many as you have the time for, as much as you have the the, the recovery ability for. So it's very difficult for something like strongman because the movements. The movements vary so much mm -hmm. that it's every variable, every variable that you add makes it harder to answer that question. Right. Am I getting stronger? I don't know because this week I did an axle. This week I did That's a different. This week I did a log. Yeah. I have no clue. I have no clue you what the stimulus apple, is. Apples to orange. It's hard. It's hard to add progression over time because mm -hmm. I have no way of saying, you know, this is this weight and this reps for the axle is equivalent to this weight and this reps and this workout for the log. log. But with the barbell, I can. So the so barbell- that's your foundation of right. what you know. I know this week I did this, next week I went, or you know, two weeks down the road, I went a little heavier. Mm -hmm. I know the general strength is there, mm -hmm. but now the sport specific strength is getting better. And so I would treat that um, the same way you would you'd practice any move, same way you would practice golf or tennis. You're gonna take these movements, these things you need to get better at, you're doing as many as you can. And normally I'd be limited by time. I'd be like, this was a long time to set up. I'm tired. I just don't want to do it anymore. But it's heavy enough that it's close enough to, to what it's going to feel like in competition. And I do as much as I can. So I would do it where the barbell movements are the, you know, the general training. 
And then the strongman movements are the assistance work or um, the, the sport specific practice. So for something like a log, that's because of the reduced range of motion, that's gonna be the best tricep accessory you're ever gonna get. Right. Like there's nothing that'll build the triceps like that. So it's that. fulfilling two roles. Right. right. So I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna go do specific tricep accessory. You've done it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the that's the purpose of the log. Yeah. You know, you're overloading the triceps in that movement. So that's how that's how I would use strongman. That's similar to how um, I adapt it for weightlifting as well. I can see weight weightlifting, the system seems ingenious for weightlifting because compared to strongman limited limited movements that you need mm -hmm. to really get into so if you're looking at you you can do a strict press push press and, and some type of jerk mm -hmm. work through those uh, you got your your clean you got your snatch so an overhead squat um, and then you know obviously a back squat for your very basic squat movement or front squat if you want and and leave it at that uh, that so when I started weightlifting I already had you know 10 years of training right. built up. So right. when I started weightlifting, there was there was zero need to get any stronger. Right. That was already there. Especially in the legs. Yeah. I was you just You could squat whatever you could clean or snatch. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't even close. Like right. Right. so I still I've never been pinned by a clean. Right. And it's, I've never even really been like struggled to stand it up. Yeah. So when I first started weightlifting, I basically never did any of the full lifts. Ever. Never did a full snatch. Did never did um, a full clean. And the reason was each component of the lift is so bad that I can't stress myself hard enough on a, on a clean and jerk. Like compared to where my strength is, this weight is so light for what I can actually move well. This is, this is easy. So you had a ton of technical work to do to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. So I would do, I would break it down to tons of components and be like, I need to fix this one piece. I need to fix this one piece. And then as I got a little bit more proficient at them, the amount of like general barbell work would come down mm -hmm. because the, the stress of the lifts are going up. They're starting so to, yeah. So now like the clean and jerk, I can do a clean and jerk workout and be like, mm -hmm. man, that beat me up. Mm -hmm. Like I'm wiped out. Before it was like, that was nothing because the weight I had to- on that load. Yeah, the weight I had to use was so light um, in order to maintain technique that this just wasn't very hard. Sort of what you were talking about with the stones, you couldn't, you didn't have the technical expertise to get to a weight that was sufficient to train the technique, right? We were using mm -hmm. the 50 pound stone versus the two or the, the 300 pound stone right. to mimic, yeah. So if, you know, compared to strong, it would be the similar as like trying to lift a 50 pound stone and right. being like, well, yeah, I can do this all day. This right. is nothing. It's not doing anything. Right, and so that took, that just, I, I really, I learned mostly from uh, watching the slow motion hooker videos. No way. Every single thing is broken down. So yeah. I'd be like, well, where does, where does mine look different? Why am I screwing this up? So at first- Did I'd, you side by side your stuff or you just kind of watch yours, watch theirs, watch yours? Watch, I went back and yeah, forth. Yeah. So I would look at, you know, where is kind of, where's the choke point? Like, mm -hmm. where's the point of the lift that I'm absolutely failing and everything's breaking down. And then I would just do that and be like, okay, until this piece is fixed, everything else is pointless to even try because this is holding me back so much that uh, there's, there's no point in even doing anything else until this one thing is brought up. So for instance, one of those was, uh, I think when CrossFit first had a, in the open, I don't know if it was 14 or 15, they had a um, one-room max clean and jerk 
for the open. Yeah. I got torched. I just absolutely <laughs> torched. I couldn't squat clean. So it was a power clean and I didn't have the front rack mobility. Right. I just could not, right. could not do a squat clean. Yeah. So I got crushed by people that were half my weight. And uh, that was the first, like, the, uh, painful enough to be like, all right, I'm, I said, I'm going to get that front rack down no matter what it takes. Because I'm, I'm not getting torched by all these people that I know like that again. Yeah. And, and yeah. all these people, you know, people that I, I knew from gyms, like locally and stuff, I'm like, oh, man, they beat me. And it, it wasn't even close. So <laughs> that, was the, that was like the first time that I, that I was like, all right, I got to take this. Yeah, I motivation. Gotta, I got to get a little better at this yeah. because um, just that front rack mobility right. was yeah, like, I have to improve it. Yeah. So that's how, that's how I viewed it at first was that um, treat the lift like the same way that you would treat learning any skill mm-hmm. and optimize it from there. So for CrossFit now, mm-hmm. if I'm using this method, which fits philosophically fits right in with CrossFit, right? The intensity yeah. is key, but there's so much stuff that I want to be good at. I think one of the key avenues to success is making sure I'm choosing indicators that I'm working on that, that make a lot of things better. Yeah. Right. Big, big bang for your buck stuff. Things that, you know, it, it's going to imp- improve my press, my jerk, my stuff, but also my muscle ups, maybe with a little bit of technique work just, or my pull up strength, wh- whatever. But I need, I need to pick the things I'm going to work on that really have a, a broad reach across skills. Is that what you're doing? So what are you training for now? Is, is it a uh, weightlifting crossfit? I'm not training hybrid? for anything. Okay. I'm just training cause I enjoy it. Awesome. That's the, awesome. That's it. So, you know, when I, when I, if I take on some like kind of challenge I want to do mm-hmm. or it's just what I think is cool. Okay. You know, it's, it's just something that I look in the gym and be like, what would, if, what would I like to compete with someone else against? Like, what would, what's a stupid idea that I, me and a buddy would come up with that's like, let's, throw, let's, see, let's see who can do it better. Like an hour on the rower. Anything. It doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter what it is. Like, <laughs> yeah, I got you. like whatever, whatever, I, whatever I find, like, uh, just a cool thing to be able to do, mm-hmm. um, I might spend, like, three or four weeks working towards that. Of like, hey, I got this new idea. I want to be able to. Was that kind of the the method for Isabel? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's that's how it first started. Yeah. Was I thought, well, um, it first started because I thought, you know, what is? We'll get into you know the our level method for a bit. We started people off years ago when we did the level method. Um, we those those higher end workouts. One of them being Isabel. One of them being Grace. That people have to complete. We put complete. You know, that was your first step. You just had to do it. Just had to do it. No and time, just nope, get it done. Just have to do, you have to get it done within the time frame. And then we put a cap on people. Mm-hmm. And we said, uh, all right, you got to do one a minute. You know, we're not going to be here. We're not going to take all day. One a minute, because that means you have up to 30 minutes to do it. That means you can get it done in one class time. So one a minute. That's your, you know, we'll, we'll mark it off as complete. And we said, we'll let you do more. We'll let you go slower than that with a major warning that you shouldn't do it, but if that's absolutely the last thing you need to pass and you were, you, no matter what, you want to get it, we'll let, you go, we'll let you go slower. But if you can't do, it, if you can't do one a minute, just cut your losses. There's a, we'll, we'll test again next time. It's not a big deal. Um, and I don't think we've had anyone do slower than one a minute. Yeah. So then if it was like, I thought, you know, how heavy could you go one a minute? 
<laughs> so yeah, it just came. <laughs> I thought, uh, yeah, how heavy could it go? So then I would. I'd, did you build up or did you just go? Did you say, hey, let's try 330? No, this was uh, the first time I did it was by accident. So <laughs> I think I started off at maybe I did one years before at 225. Okay. And then it was, I did it at 275. Okay. And then uh, I had did one at 300. And then the first one I did at 3.30, we had, uh, we had some friends over, you know, all, this was like right after Christmas. So we had friends over, some uh, non-CrossFit approved beverages all Saturday. So I get to the gym on Monday, I feel terrible. And uh, I feel so bad that, you know, I start, I start warming up. But it's one of those workouts, like, you feel so bad to start that it can't get any worse. So, like, you know, you're tired, your head hurts. So to do a workout like that, since I'm already starting off and I feel terrible, like, as you do the workout, you don't feel worse. Like, you, <laughs> you, feel, the, feel, like shit. you feel the same. <laughs> so I start off and I said, well, I'm just going to see how many I can do. Yeah. So I did one, you know, did another one. I think I did a third one. I thought, oh, man, these are, these are actually moving really fast. I said, I wasn't expecting them to, to, to go like this. So I get to, like, five or six, and I finally be like, that's it, I'm going for it. I'm just going to go for the 30 and then held on until I finished the 30. And then I thought, oh man, I can't believe I, I can't believe I pulled that off. I was, I wasn't expecting that. I just, I just wanted to get some, some, a workout in right. to, to feel a little better. Yeah. And that was the first one. And then that was like two days. Dave came into the gym yeah. and was like, what the hell was that? Um, I said, well, you don't know. I was hung over when I did that, <laughs> when I did the first one. So he made it a challenge. If you can do 20 minutes, and I was like, well, the first one I was hung over, I can do 20 minutes. So that one, it took a little bit to, to build up to. Right. Because um, there's a math. There's definitely math to getting it. You got to know how long your reps take and then know what cadence you have to hit. Yeah. Because if you one, miss one, you're done. Yeah. I, I yeah. had tried previously, but I was on, I missed one rep. Uh, it was over. It was like, over. You can't catch up. No. There's yeah. no way at that pace. Yeah. So I missed one. And I said, all right. After that one, I thought, okay. I'm definitely, I can definitely pull this off now. Yeah. Um, the first one actually felt better. It just takes a certain level of focus where as soon as, you, as, soon as you're not 100% focused, it's over because mm -hmm. you miss some little piece and when you're tired, you can't make those corrections during right. the lift. Yeah. But that was it. I just broke concentration on one and Damn. was like, there's no way I'm catching up. <laughs> Do you there's remember no what number rep it was? I think it was 15. Okay. I think it was right at the halfway mark. It was 28, mark. so. <laughs> um, and I think it was 16. Yeah. So I completed 15. Being halfway threw me off. So I went to go do 16 and was like, oh, yeah. I can't believe I missed that one. <laughs> and then I went, to go do the, I went to go do the next one and was like, there's no way I'm catching up. Yeah. It's, it's impossible. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I'm going to go, I'm going to come back to something I said because I think I was talking out of my ass a little bit I actually think about this 50 to 1 because I want to give it full credence the 50 to 1 method for CrossFit fits in perfectly with how you were doing strongman so I mm -hmm. I, I think I was wrong on how I said you'd have to find big bang for your buck exercise I think you always do mm -hmm. to to give you your general indicators for if your strength is going up but then all the other stuff is your practice correct yeah so sorry I it took me a while for my brain to, but so that's a great way to do CrossFit because you have, you have the stuff, whatever you need to work on, you're identifying your weaknesses basically, what's holding me back, these become your indicators, and then 
maybe other things that are weakness but you're not working on right now or just skills you want to refine for the sport or introduce is now your, your, your practice or your skill work. Right, so for the, the lifting aspect, it's easy, to, it's easy to gauge, you know, you can look at your efficiency in the lifts. Mm -hmm. So if you have a massive front squat and your clean's okay, it's like, well, you're obviously not very efficient at the clean. Right. You might need, it might be that you don't have the skill for it. Right. It might just be that you're not very fast. Yep. Either one of those two things, if you have this big gap between your front squat and your clean, That's what you one fix. of those two need to get better. Yep. So you could do that for the snatch and the back squat. Yep. You can do that for all the lifting. That, that stuff is pretty straightforward. Yep. Absolutely. But that can apply to the gymnastics as well. You know, if you're crushing your muscle ups, but then you go do your, on like a strict pull up, you're like, I'm, I'm not very good at these. Right. Like you're really squeezing everything you can out of your pull up strength. And the single thing that would make you better is just being stronger through that basic movement right. of the pull up. Yeah. Either you do more reps, you can do them weighted. Weighted, right. So if that was, be, if that was higher and you're efficient at the skill, those rep, you know, instead of, instead of 10 unbroken muscle ups, that might be the thing that gets you to 12, 13, 14, 15 and beyond. Um, or if you're looking at it like, man, I can crank pull ups out all day long, but I'm- But I can't do a muscle up. Right. Why not? Yeah. You know, you might not have the flexibility. You might not know what, you know, the technique. There's something there. So if you're looking at those just in a general sense of, man, I can't, I can't do any uh, muscle-ups, but I can jump on the bar and bang out 20 strict pull-ups. Like, well, you got a problem. Yeah. Something needs something. You got to fix that. Yeah. So I think a lot of people get into this, this thing. Like you have people that were former gymnasts mm -hmm. that when it comes to certain movements, they just, they just crush it. Yeah. And they're squeezing everything they can out of that pulling strength. And then you get some people, they're just inefficient. You need more practice at the movements. You don't, you don't need to put all your energy into getting stronger. Right. You're plenty strong. Um, I remember, so I went to the aerobic capacity seminar with Chris, 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 Chris Henshaw. Henshaw. Right. And he brought, up, he brought up a concept that's the exact same thing that I'm talking about. But his is applied to aerobics. Okay. His, his, his answer, or his way of framing it every time is, do you have to get stronger or, or when, when someone can't do something, he asks, do you need to get stronger or is, do you need to be fitter? One of the two, mm -hmm. but that idea can be applied all around. So if you're failing your cleans, um, or you know, what's your leg strength? Yeah. Do you have the front, do you have the front squat capacity? Um, it might be that you're soft on the catch. You know, why are you so soft on the catch? Is it because your technique is off or your back is weak? It right. could be either. Yep. It could be that you, your technique is good. Yep. It's just that your upper back is, is weak yep. and you tip forward. You, you, know, you, get, you get crushed at the bottom of the squat. Yep. There's some element in there that you, you'd be better off prioritizing. And so instead of doing all these, spending all this time on these things you're already good, good. at, fix the upper try back. Try something. Yeah. Just try something. Fix yeah. the upper See back problem. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, oh, you clean 10 more pounds because you fix that one piece yep. that you're missing. So having those indicators is, is just a simple way of saying, um, where is my time best spent? Right. Because in any sport, um, especially any sport that has multiple modalities you mm -hmm. have to train, mm -hmm. which is, is both strongman and it's CrossFit, right. you're making trade-offs all the time. And a lot of times people run out of time or they run out of energy to be able to improve those weaknesses. And so, the reason that that weakness exists, um, 
you know, you're going to have to stop putting time on the things you're already good at yeah. and reallocate that towards that, that thing. But you might not even realize that. It. You might not even realize, like, hey, this is what would make me improve the most. You're just, in a sense, oh, I'm just going to train harder. It takes a lot of assessment and review and understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you might be wrong. Yeah. And You're so wrong you try time. for a couple of weeks or whatever. It's not improving. Okay, that wasn't it. Sw- a switch. But it's mm-hmm. a constant experiment to see. And, and the better, the stronger you are, probably the harder it is to figure out what you need to fix. Yeah, it starts getting nitpicky. Yeah, nitpicky. Yeah, really nitpicky. Yeah. Where the answer's not obvious. Right. The answer at first is almost, well, you just, you just need more time. Right. You need more practice. Yeah. You know, you got four things you got to fix. Yeah. But then you run into a point where it's like, I cannot figure this out. I need someone else to look at it because my perspective yeah. is just not there. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. So... Do you use the 50 to 1 method? You're, you're a coach at CrossFit, coach owner at mm-hmm. CrossFit Valley View. Do you use the 50 to 1 method with athletes there? Yeah. Are they your... They follow all the same principles. Okay. So all your athletes or a certain group? No, that's, that's our general group class. Okay. So anytime we do like a lot of the strength work, um, a lot of them are in the habit of converting that into an estimated one rep max. Got it. And so they're going for a record that day. Yeah. Yep. They so have this the one thing you want to be better at. It'll today. be programmed, you know, you're going for max reps. Nice. And then they'll look up on SugarWad, you know, what was my previous what was my previous score? And they'll look at it and be like, Oh, my previous score was two fifty. All right, today chart. Yeah. today I want two fifty one. Gotcha. Whatever whatever adds up. So we might program eighty percent for max reps or something, but they know, you know, go up or down five pounds if you need to, um, to get what you want. You know, we can dial in that progression a little bit better than trying to go for these big five, 10 pound PRs all the time. We just want one pound, you know? Yep. We just want one pound over from these last two weeks yes. and that's it. Yep. And then we'll get another pound in another couple of weeks. And that's what distinguishes the people that have the best long-term success is that it's all built off of these little tiny, little tiny improvements, yep. but they're improving that while improving their conditioning and other, other metrics. So when you get to the end, it's not like, hey, I improved my strength, but I'm in worse shape. I'm not flexible. Right. I'm, I'm worse at all these other right. things. And that's part, your job to take care of that is to make sure, hey, right. I'm going to fit this all together. You know, part, of, part of that, part of that, of slowing that progression down is that you have the, the time and the means to right. be able to work on other, other things. things. If I'm prioritizing the lifting or the gymnastics or the conditioning to such a point where that's all my focus, you can't get better at other areas. At, at other areas. Yeah. It's got to be, I would say you said their long-term success. I would also say one reason for their long-term success is they keep showing up. Because yeah. they're excited about, see, like this week I get to do better in some things. Like that's got to be motivating, like I beat it. Yeah, it's, you know? it's really tough. It's really tough to tell someone like, hey, you're not going to know, you're not going to have the opportunity to show that you progressed for, for three months down the right, road when right. you go for a new clean and drip match. Every week, every day, really. But if you're looking at like, oh man, I'm, on the one hand, you're like, oh man, I get to do, you know, I get to go for it today. Um, it's gonna hurt, but I get to do it. <laughs> you're, more, you're more motivated to go yeah. in and do it. Yeah. And so one of the tricks, one of the things that I'll do with some people is I'll actually write out, I'll take a whiteboard and I'll write out this is what your estimated one rep max is for all these reps. Mm-hmm. If you do five, it's going to be 250. If you do six, it's going to be 258. Oh, if you, you do seven, yeah. so when they're going through it, they're watching that board as they go through their reps. Like, hey, if you want to be a 300 pound squatter, 
It's going to take 225 for 10. Yeah. And so they're looking at it, and it, it sets in, you know. Yeah. Before, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to do a hard set. So, no, we're going to write it out, and you're going to visualize it, and you're going to look at it. If you want your 300-pound back squat, it's right there in front of you. Yeah. It's right today, not down the road, not weeks from now. This is what you have to do to do it. Yeah. If you can do this today, we can easily taper down and get you yeah. to peak for a 300-pound right. back squat. Yeah. But that starts right here at this 225 for 10. Awesome. And then all of a sudden, when you know when reps 5, 6 come around where it starts to really suck, they'll push through and grind to get those 10. So you'll, you start to see, and then after, the, after people do it one time, mm -hmm. they start developing a, just a totally different mentality of, of attacking their workout. It's like, tougher. You know, right, they, they, they have something to push for. Then yeah. that, that 300 becomes 301. You yeah. know, that 301 becomes 302. Yeah. They've been doing that for a year. They've done it 50 times. And so 50 times in a row, this person, you know, week after week after week has come in, set a goal, and achieved Attacked it. it. Yeah. And so now we take someone, let's say they go from 250 to 300, they've proven to themselves that they're capable 50 times. They have yep. a, you know, a success rate of 100%. So now when they say, hey, I'm gonna do this weight for this reps, it's not like, oh, well, kind of maybe. No. They have confidence. They have confidence yep. in themselves. Yep. I'm absolutely gonna be able to do that. So when they say like, hey, I'm going for that, they get it. And that continues on for a long period of time. Yep. They have that mentality. Once, once the progress really slows, where it's like, okay, now this person's really strong. Yeah. You know? Once that progress slows, and actually they have to really battle for, for extra progression, their mentality has developed over that time. You know, and a lot of times you don't develop that. You just show up, you work hard, you don't, you'll, you'll continue to progress for a while. But while we're doing that, they're building that mentality. So when, the, when, when your rate of progression slows, they'll fight for it. You know, we, we say, hey, you know, it's not going to be a pound every week. It might be a pound every other week. It might be a pound a month you're shooting for. Yeah. They'll stick with it and be like, oh, exactly. yeah, I'm, I'll get it. That, you you know? got the mentality for right. it. Right. Yeah. No. So to me, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I'd love to come see your guys train because you're building fire breathers right there. That's, mm -hmm. that's the mentality of a of fire breather. So you alluded to another method. It's not really a method of training. You alluded to another part of your whole system of training called the levels. And um, we'll, we'll direct to your website because you have a beautiful chart on there that we were looking at last night and uh, got me kind of fired up. Uh, you have a very analytical mind. It's very organized and it's, it's just the way it's laid out. So let's, I, I want to make sure we have time to cover this in depth. Um, it's not that it's complicated, but there's a lot of, lot of pieces to it. So the level system, um, I'm going to give a very short overview as I understand, then you can dig in and make sure I don't make a mistake here. But it's seven levels is it seven seven levels mm -hmm. across so you start at crossfitter you finish at fire breather and each level has a bunch of requirements that you need to fulfill before you move on it's sort of like a belt system in in a martial yeah, arts it is a belt system and you just tick those off and it starts obviously at crossfitter they're you know scale down and regress their their basic skills and as you move up they become harder and harder and harder to accomplish and in order to move on, I, like, I, I really like this piece, so hopefully you talk about it. You, you obviously have to hit the skills. Mm -hmm. But even if you're super gifted, a beast, and, and, and you can hit these without really training that hard, if you don't show up to the gym and participate and be consistent with your training, you're not allowed to, to promote over. 
Is that correct? Correct. Awesome. So, so now with that intro, teach me, teach me about the levels. So my wife started in martial arts. Okay. So that's why it follows the same color scheme as a traditional belt gotcha. pattern. Okay. So when you first start off, most of those, most of the, the first level is just, you have to show up and actually come to class. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a pretty basic conditioning marks that you have to hit. And you start it's off- It's the same skills across. Uh, uh, like same categories. Same categories. Yeah. Okay. So you'll transition from, we want people to be able to do a pull up with, with any kind of band. Okay. No restriction. Mm -hmm. As long as you can get up on the bar, full extension at the bottom, get over the bar, we'll count it. We just okay. want you to show up and, and start putting in the work at first. All the way to be able to complete muscle ups on the rings. Gotcha. So each one of those um, will progress all the way into that last level of fire. And breathing. how many total uh, categories? There's four categories. Starts okay. off with weightlifting, and then gymnastics, conditioning, and then benchmark workouts. Gotcha. Okay. Each one has 15 different requirements. Or gotcha. 15, there's 15 total. Across the four mm -hmm. categories. Check. Okay, I've interrupted enough, so I'll let you start back with the belt system from your, from your So wife. there's 15 different marks. That's gone down as we've, we've, we've got rid of things that were redundant. Okay. Where if you can pass that one, you're going to pass this right. one too. We'll just scratch that. Nice. So the whole point was to have a system that wasn't subjective the way that some martial arts belting systems are. Um, the premise of CrossFit is that it's measurable and it's repeatable. Absolutely. Everything is objective. So each one of those is an objective mark. You lifted this percentage of your body weight or you hit this time on the run, right. you perform this. There's no arguing. When someone gets to that level, everybody knows exactly what it took right. to be able to wear that shirt around. Awesome. There's, no, there's no questions about it. Oh, they get a shirt in that color? We have a, you, you wear a shirt of each color. That's from awesome. Orange, yellow, green, all the way to the last one is black. Oh man. So as you progress, we set that as this is what we expect someone consistently training hard, showing up to the gym in their 20s will get to over the course of four years. So if you show up at 21, you're here, you're consistent, we'll get you to this level at 25. And if, you're, if that doesn't apply to you, any of those things don't apply to you, don't expect it in four years. If you're not that age, if you're not able to train that often, right. if you're not as consistent, you're not going to get there in four years. It's going to take longer. longer. So this is like an ideal situation okay. of what we expect for people. Yep. And we've, we've modified that from purely being about the performance. We overlap that with the sickness, wellness, fitness continuum. Okay. Now, we have these first rinks where you start off on the end of sickness, mm -hmm. you know, presence of um, sickness and disease. Mm -hmm. Then our top ranks, or at the top of the curve of right. that continuum, we have our middle two ranks, which represents absence of sickness and disease. You know, your blood pressure, your cholesterol, all of your, all of your marks are in normal range. Right. And then at the tail end of it, which is our fire breather level, that represents an additional hedge against sickness and it. disease. So when people show up, we explain it as, our goal is to get you as, as fast as we can to wellness. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna keep you there the rest of your life. That's the goal. Our goal is not to reach this fire breather mark. That's not what we're expecting of you. So if you can't get there, that's not, that's not anything wrong with you or you shouldn't be ashamed. We're not expecting you to be there. 
those last three ranks represent the sport. That is, if you have the time and this is what you enjoy doing, this will give you an additional hedge. You'll, be, you'll have additional protection. Anything in your genetics or any, uh, anything that you're unlucky about in your life, you have additional protection. Right. But we don't need you to be there. We need you to be at well. And that's our job. Get you to well as fast as possible. You're there the rest of your life. So um, that shift has actually made a huge difference because people start getting a little frustrated that like each time they're not progressing. And it's like not everyone's supposed to be a fire breather. Right. Not, even, not everyone even wants to be one. It takes a lot of work to get to that last Absolutely. rank. Absolutely. Um, each one of those things on its own is really hard to do. Yep. So we overlaid you know, the, that level system with that continuum. So now everyone in the gym understands what that means. And we use that first as an assessment when someone shows up. Mm-hmm. They go through our intro program. We have that first rank completed. You know, we go through each one of those. They know, you know what they can lift. They know what so they've condition. done all 15 uh, metrics in their in, as part of their intro program. Correct. Just to see where they're at. Yep. yep. This is our measurement on day one. If they can pass that, they get their orange shirt. Wow. You're starting off. You're at orange. This is your first level. That forms what we prescribe to people in terms of how to get fitter, because there's certain things that'll pop up over time. Like, hey, how come all your condition? You, you know, you're three levels ahead on the weightlifting, but you're you know, way back here on the conditioning. Like, ah, yeah, I kind of skipped all those running days or, you know, s- certain things will pop up. But that is our measurement of this is where your time is best spent on your fitness. You are at this level here for, for the gymnastics, but you're struggling on the weightlifting. And that's just a conversation of, for some people, you know what, I don't really like lifting weights. I don't, I don't like pushing myself that hard. Um, and I, th- I need to do a better job of it. That's a lot of times that's right. a, that's the only answer. Right. And they say, you know what? I kinda I kinda go with lightweight all the time. You know, I always scale the weight down mm-hmm. and I do the hardest gymnastics movement because I'm really good at them. And that lets both the coach and the athlete know, like, okay, for the next six months, we're working on correcting these imbalances. We need we need to your workouts should be the opposite of what this thing says. You know, these areas that we're we're struggling in. That's our emphasis. These arees that you're really good at, we're going we're gonna stay just as good. Don't just totally abandon them, but you don't have to emphasize those every workout. So it allows people a way to see their progress over time right. and know where's your time best spent. Yeah. And this forms people's roadmap because when you, they show up at the door, they don't really have specific goals. That's why they're going to CrossFit. They go to CrossFit because they're not playing a sport. They're not right. playing, they're not doing some other thing. So whether someone, you know, and, and the key, one of the key tenets of CrossFit has always been, you know, your needs vary by intensity, you know, not by kind. Right. And so Absolutely. whether someone's grandma steps in or we have some people that, you know, they got done playing, uh, you know, division one sports, they come in and we ask them their goals and their goals is normally like, I, I don't know. I want to be healthier and I want to be fitter, but I don't know what that looks like. I don't know. I don't know how to get there. That's why I'm here talking to you guys. And so when we break out that chart, we, you know, we go through the assessment Mm -hmm. and over time it gives people goals to shoot for. So now when they're looking at what is a, what is a healthy, strong 20 or 30 or 40, and then we modify the chart for 50 and beyond. Okay. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. Well, this is what it looks like. 
You know, this is where your weightlifting should be. This is where your gymnastics should be. Um, this is where you, all these things should be. And so when they show up to the gym, they now have a set of goals to strive for. I completed my orange. All right, what's my next level? Right. What are the things that I have to do? So they're looking at it as, you know, if we have a timed 400 meter run, they already know ahead of time, hey, I'm trying to break two minutes. That's it. Who, who do I know because that runs? Because these metrics that you're measuring show up periodically in workouts. Yeah, we'll throw some in throughout time. Yeah. So if we have a benchmark. It's an opportunity to test it. If yeah. we have a benchmark workout that comes up, they yep. know ahead of time, hey, I got to get seven minutes on that. Yeah. Yep. Or when the back squat comes up, they're going for a PR. We have these, we, have, we put up two big charts in the gym. They'll go over and now they're looking at it like, oh, I need to squat 150 today. So it gives people a way to set goals um, without having to come up with them on their own. Yeah. Without having to come up with, because when you first start, you don't know. You don't know. It's, it's after I do CrossFit and I see what it can do for me, now I know what I want more of. Right. But at first you're like, uh, you know, I yeah. want to be stronger. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And so over time, by the time people get to those last ranks, yeah. like by the time people get to, certainly by fire, well before fire breather, they've been doing it a long time and their interests might change a little bit. Right. So by that point, hey, maybe I want to do Spartan races. Maybe I want to run a marathon. Maybe I want to do a weightlifting competition. Their goals might change, mm -hmm. and those, that chart's not as applicable anymore. Because they're going to specialize in something, because that's what they really like. But your first couple years, you just don't know. But we still want them in that, in that band that's the wellness band, yeah. regardless of where they stray off to. Yeah. That, that'll be their, their check the box. I, I'm maintaining the, the, the spot I want to be, the minimum right. once spot. You're, once you're beyond, once you get beyond that wellness stage, and we're at the stage that's, that's representing sport and more of, of a hedge, at that point, like for instance, the, the, gymnastics, and, yeah. the gymnastics skills become too complicated. Right. So people will be like, you know what? I just don't want to spend the time doing that gotcha. because I want to do this other thing yeah. that's outside the gym. Yeah. And that's perfectly fine. Yeah. You, can, you can hit all of these marks. Your, your, all of your traditional health markers are in range where they're supposed to be. That's a good plan. Do, the, do something that you enjoy because that's going, to keep you he, that's going to keep you training and healthy for the next 10 years. You don't have to, you don't have to specialize in CrossFit. Um, now you're not looking at getting better just at CrossFit. It's purely how can CrossFit help me get better, better at something else that better, I enjoy. Yeah. How often, um, how often are they kind of retesting uh, or just confirming where they are and, and assessing where the imbalances are? We, they're, we're now testing every six months. Okay. That's so a full kind of panel of everything every six months to see the full picture. Yeah. Okay. We started off at three months. That was way too fast. That was way too okay. soon. Yeah. We moved to four months. That was still really pushing it. Um, and now we moved to six months. And six months have, has worked really well. Um, part of that is our, our demographics because as, as a gym is open longer, you start having members that have been there for a while. Right. So as people work on those later ranks, you know, the three month testing is like, yeah, dude, this is a really, this is really hard yeah. to get to. Yeah. Like yeah. we don't need to sit down and review it or test it because I'm still working on it. <laughs> yeah. This is going to take me a long <laughs> yeah. time to hit. Yeah. So more of our clients have, have moved to being there for a long time mm -hmm. and they've gotten a little older in age mm -hmm. from, from when we first opened. So those later ranks as more, as more people are working on the later ones, we don't need to test as often as when we first, because um, this was implemented right when the gym first started. Okay. Yep. 
we don't have to test as often. And the people that are earlier on, um, especially because we, we really increased our, um, our intro program, we will test people outside of that traditional cycle. But those are people that are, that are working with a coach one-on-one. Okay. That'll just be part of, of what they do. Usually if someone is, I want to improve, their program is based off of how they're performing on those levels. You know, hey, we're, we're lagging on this. We need to spend more time here. Yeah. And then once you pass, then you promote, you get your new color of shirt. Awesome. Is there a, basically a set week, like maybe one in June, one in December, where there's the, where yeah, it's it full is testing, right now, two weeks? April and October. Okay, awesome. And so everybody knows those, that when, when the programming comes up for those weeks, filtered in there will be these 15 challenges that are going to maybe over the course of two weeks or one week or however long it takes they're, <coughs> they're going to be taken care of there and there yeah in the in the probably in the month leading up i might throw a couple things in there yeah just as part of class yeah so when they pull up um when we test it we do it tuesday thursday for two weeks so okay, you have four gotcha. days that those things will all be spread out nice but in the month before that i might throw something in there earlier on so this is your first chance to see if you're gonna pass. So if you're trying to run a new 400 meter, let's say you know we threw one in a month early, you got to break a minute 30 or something. You'll know ahead of time, hey, oh man, I got 132. Like I know I need to prioritize that when this comes up. Like I need to know that I'm fresh and this is gonna be my best run. So if let's say you got 132 at the end of a workout a month prior, you're looking at it like, okay, I'm gonna run 129 but I need to make sure that's prioritized. You yeah, know? Yeah. I, need to, I need to be set up correctly for that. Um, so we'll throw a few things in leading up to it where you don't have to do the full spectrum of, of challenges for those four days because it becomes, it's hard to try to hit that back squat mark and come in and then hit your, your clean and jerk mark in, those, in that time frame. For those, for those higher ranks, Hitting a max back squat and a max deadlift and a max clean and jerk and a max snatch. It's just unrealistic. Yeah, so yeah. we're going off of numbers that they've, they've accumulated right. in those six months. Um, and we, we, we use SugarWad. They, they can go back to their logbook and see, you know, fill out what you've already accomplished so that you're not spending those four days retesting things that you've already passed. So it's also a way to keep people tracking their weights and, uh, and on top of things versus just, sh they, they're not showing up to the gym and just picking a random weight or random numbers to right. work off of. Um, they know what their max is. Mm -hmm. So when we write out percentages, everyone that's been there for certainly more than six months, they know exactly what they're supposed to do. And it makes class run really fast and people get way more out of it. Because when they show up, they know everything they're doing today versus you know, I don't really know what my back squat is. I don't know what I can do. Um, and they everything is more efficient. Yeah. yeah. Man, I'm going to have to bring you back here because uh, I want to talk about some nutrition. But what I also want to talk about is how the 50 to 1 method, how, uh, just generally how you program to support all this. So that might be a little bit of a, a, a big topic to handle right now. So let's put that to the side, but I'm going to keep it up in here. Um, you're obviously meticulous about everything, just looking at how you train, how you've designed uh, these methods of training. I see the, the pictures on Instagram of your fridge. I mean, <laughs> it's all your meals prepped, ready to go. Uh, 
talk to me about what you're doing personally for your own nutrition plan and then what, what's carried over for that into your, into your affiliate. So I like, one of the best ways that I've seen it explained for athletes was, was through Dan John. And he framed it in a totally different way. I haven't seen anyone else describe it. And his was, you know, as an athlete, you, not, you need to not be thinking of how you restrict yourself and you need to be thinking of what are you putting in your body to repair and fuel yourself. And so he had this, this thing with athletes that, are, that were struggling to, uh, with keeping their weight down. Mm-hmm. And his was, he creates a list of foods of all really good, healthy items. And his was, he tells his throwers, once you eat this list of foods every single day, when you're done, you can eat whatever you want, whatever you want. after that, mm-hmm. at the very end of the day. So it would be, I would, he would list out, like, I want you to eat this many pounds of meat, this many eggs, this many uh, pounds of fruit, this much vegetable, list out all these things, potato, mm-hmm. everything that you need. And he said, once you're done eating all of that stuff, once you've, once you've put in the, the food that you need to perform well, after that point, go eat whatever you want. And his whole point was you're not going to eat anything right. because if you're, if you're getting your calorie needs met through nutritious food, yep. he's like, you won't have the appetite yep. to eat a bunch of junk. And he's like, the only reason you're asking me about eating this junk food is because you're not eating the healthy stuff first. There's no way you're going to eat this bit, you know, salmon and fruit and vegetable and then want to eat pizza afterwards. He's like, because this is too much food to eat. And I've always viewed it from the sense of if you're training really hard, mm-hmm. it gets viewed as a way to eat a bunch of junk. You can justify which, it. Which, from a pure calorie standpoint, is true. But the harder you're training, the more the body's breaking down. So your nutritional needs, or, you know, the nutrient need is higher. Um, you know, the tendons are breaking down more. Mm-hmm. The ligaments are stressed more. Everything is stressed more. You need higher quality food to come to, to, to justify that more so than the average person. And so it's, it it gets twisted where it's like, you know, you might look back and be like, oh, well, a, a quest bar and a, and a, you know, bull of lucky charms just is not going to (laughs) do what what steak and potatoes do. And we can argue the science about it and we can, we can go on and on about this study says this, this study says that. Um, but I look at all the old guys I know, mm-hmm. you know, and every single old strong guy I know has the same habits. They're all the same, right. you know, from what they eat to how they take care of themselves to how they sleep. Every single old strong guy I know that's 50 plus right. all does the same stuff. Yep. And that's because no one who doesn't do that makes they, it to they make it right. <laughs> you know, they broke down at some point. Yeah. So, if you're unlucky, it's your 20s. If uh, you're average, it'll probably be your 30s. Mm-hmm. And if you're lucky, it'll be your 40s. Right. But none of them make it to 50 plus, old, strong, capable, without the same set of habits. And I don't see these guys eating junk. I don't see these guys sleeping four hours a day. They sleep well, they eat well, they do all these same things. Um, so if the goal is to, is to get to that stage, so we'll, then I need to do that now. I remember, uh, so one of my first, my first introduction to, to Strongman was in Squim, Washington. I went up to Squim, 
And I asked the guy there about a strongman named Grant Higa. And Grant Higa's a legend in the Northwest. Okay. Total, and strongman, he's a legend there. Mm-hmm. And so when I was in college, I used to go into, after my workouts, this place called Local Boys. And there's a picture of Grant Higa doing an axle press. And I used, to, I used to think, man, I want to be on that wall. Like, I want to be on that wall right next to him. So I asked him, I said, uh, you know, because they know each other well. Mm-hmm. And we're like, you know, what is it that separates these competitors? You know, why, you know, why are these guys old and doing well? And I think he was in his 40s at the time. And he said, you know, I've never seen him get hurt. Never been injured. Right. And the other thing is I noticed that which was, which was uncommon for a lot of strong men, he didn't eat any junk food. Definitely. He was, you know, every time you go to his competitions up there, after weigh-ins, everyone goes to sushi. Right. And I always see this guy eating rice and meat and all this traditional Hawaiian food. And it's always, it's always like rice and meat. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he's a big guy, but I said, not he's, eating pizza. He's not eating yeah. junk. Yeah. It's all, it's all, you know, good stuff. I said, there's something there because every single guy I see that's not getting injured is all, none of them are eating junk food. Right. All these old guys, none of them are eating junk food. So when, when I do my diet now, I prioritize get the good stuff in first. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the kind of the, the one thing that pops up all the time is, you know, how much protein, protein. you should eat. Yeah. And so I do, um, Body weight and grams of protein. Yep. That's about standard that you're going to see everywhere recommended. Yep. yep. Spread out evenly through the day. 50 grams of protein, high quality, boom, done. Yep. If it's all whole food, you probably have enough fat in there. Yep. Agreed. You don't really need to add anything else. So that's first and not because it's the most important because it's the hardest to do. Right. It's hard to get that. There's always, there's yeah. always yeah. Other, other things you can get like at a gas station even. Mm-hmm. So get that in first, add everything else up to, um, as CrossFit would say, intake that a level that will support, support exercise, size. but not body fat. Yep. And that's it. So I do five meals a day, 50 grams in protein in each, and then um, some type of carbohydrate to, to bring the intake level up. Potato, rice. Potato, usually rice. Mm-hmm. It lasts longer in the fridge. Mm-hmm. Um, less potato just because it doesn't last as long mm-hmm. and then i'll add other things on top um just for flavor and variety and enjoyment yeah but i like that dan john approach eat eat all this good food first once you're done then you can have whatever else so we'll do i'll do stuff with the kids at the end of the day um sometimes i'll i'll steal some of their food or they come home with something and I don't, I don't limit myself on all that, but the, pri- the, the, the priority has to be focusing on get good, good food in first because you need that to repair and recuperate. Um, and I don't train at, you know, my, I don't train so, I don't train with enough volume where I don't have the hunger to be able to eat enough good food. Mm-hmm. You know, if I was, if I was doing something where you know, if I was doing like marathon training or something else like that, where your, your calorie needs are extremely high, mm-hmm. then I would be like, okay, I need to do something so on top. Yeah. I need after to, all the good foods been eaten just because you have to get that calorie yeah. mark no matter what. Yeah. But for me, I have the appetite to, to only eat quality food. 
Um, someone else at my size, maybe not. My, my appetite is pretty big. It's unusually big. So I, wouldn't, I actually wouldn't recommend how I eat for, for other people okay. just because, I'd be like, dude, you're, you're not going to enjoy it. Like, you're going to be too full. You're going to be stuffed and, like, just miserable all the time because you, you don't have the appetite for it. But for as much as you can, make it as good as, as make it as, as high quality as possible. Yeah. And so we, we organize our fridge where... Oh, so um, maybe those weren't only your meals. Not just mine. <laughs> okay. So we organize them where mine have purple lids nice. and then my wife is all green lids. Yeah. So when we go to the gym in the morning... All we, you know, I don't even, don't even think about it. Grab these meals, put them aside. That's it. That's it. Like Monday through Friday, there's no thinking involved with it. It's all cooked ahead of time. It's all ready to go. And it's weighed and measured in there. Yeah. And uh, where did, when did you start weighing and measuring? Because that's something we've talked about in CrossFit. There's been a lot of resistance on it, but who taught you how to do that? I was doing that probably since I was like 18. No way. Yeah. And I started doing that because that was 300 pounds. Okay. So that to, was... To lean down from 300. Yeah. Okay. So that was just, to, that was just because um, I need to bring my weight down. I'm like, well, just measure it. And that was it. Um, and then I've always... I haven't gone very long where I wasn't doing that. And for me, it doesn't take very much time. But the, the difference it makes is massive. And that's because for me, the number one thing I have to manage is my appetite. Right. Um, even if it's healthy food, I can still eat plenty of it. Right. So I only... You still I only, need to quantify. I only weigh and track it just because I have the appetite to still eat all quality food and go beyond my calorie mark. Okay. Not everyone does. Right. For a lot of people, like if you just change what you're eating, you don't have the appetite to right. overeat. You, right. just, you just don't. It's kind of a built-in system of decreasing your, yeah, your like calories. You, you, there's only so much steak right. for most people that they can eat. Right. Where it's like, all right, I'm done. Yeah. Like, you just won't overeat these things. Yeah. Um, my wife is mostly the same way, probably less to a degree. So we always weigh it because she start, when she started CrossFit, it was with, with Zone. Right. So she was already okay. used to the portioning and yeah. all that. So yeah. um, that wasn't really a change for her. It was like, oh, this is what I'm used to. This yeah. is normal for, for CrossFit when it first started. Yeah. So I did it just because to me it makes more sense. Right. But right. If, if someone else, like, you know, they just don't have a very big appetite, then eh, it's probably unnecessary. And we've, we've evolved that over time as we had kids. Because before we weren't, we really weren't that diligent because when, you, when we didn't have kids, we would have time to cook at night. Right. So every night. Yeah. Every night or at least at least we would only do like two or three days right. at a time. Yeah. You know? I'd cook the next two days of food and they'd be like, nah, no big deal. I'll cook Wednesday night. Right. Now it's like well Wednesday night comes up and between like the the bath routine and reading a book and all this other stuff, that doesn't get done. Right. So we started realizing a couple things. One, we pig out too much on the weekends. So I was like, nah, we gotta have that. We gotta still have it at least Saturday morning. Because usually your food runs out Friday, right? right? If you prep for the week, it runs out Friday. And second, we're, we just totally gave up on being able to cook midweek. Right. Of like, you know what? That's so much hassle with two kids at home and then trying to cook food yeah. with, with getting these guys to bed yep. that either they, 
the kids are destroying the house while you're cooking. It's just a totally miserable experience. So then we're like, you know what? It's got to be done Monday all the way until Saturday afternoon. Yeah. And again, that's another thing that, that we do. Extra just, containers, man. Just because it, <laughs> that's what we have to do. Yeah. Um, if they were older, if they were like 12 plus, we probably wouldn't be that diligent about right. it. Like right. this is unnecessary. This is, right. you know, we have time to, to be able to cook and, and do this, but um, that's, just, that's just something that we started because it was like, this is where we're failing at. Yeah. And I don't see a, a different way um, to make it better. Yeah. This is the best yeah. solution for now. That makes sense. What of your nutrition knowledge and what you're doing, on, do you transfer as a messaging to your affiliate then, to your, to your athletes and clients? The, nutrition's, the nutrition in me is more complicated than the, uh, the training. I'd say it's a lot more complicated. Mm -hmm. The training, the training, the number one thing that we almost always say is move more. You know, for where we are, you know, a lot of people have a very difficult commute. Okay. And our message is almost always move more, get to the gym. Like we don't need to go off of any of those other things. Like the rest will take care of itself when yeah. you get there. If you can show up, yeah. I said the, the number one thing that separates the people with the most success here is who shows up. Right. That, that. Everything else is second to that. It's not Dan even John. close. Dan John, just show up. And with the nutrition, it's too specific for that individual. So we don't have a we don't have a, a, a clear cut like this is always what we tell people mm -hmm. to do, except quality of food. That's the that's the only thing that that um, is a consistent message yeah. is getting people to eat the highest quality food possible for some people the reason the reason that they struggle is environment mm -hmm. like they live at home um their spouse might not be supportive or they live with their parents there's there it's the environment that they're in makes it difficult um or they, they, they go to work and you know when they go to work there's a big box of donuts there right sitting ready yeah. for me my coworkers want me to go out Every, they, they, they don't have a support system in place mm -hmm. and it makes it really difficult. Um, some people, they, they, they're, they're too restrictive. Like they dive head first, do something really, really hard. They go from no meal prep to everything is gonna be perfect all the time. There's, always, there's all these common pitfalls that mm -hmm. people run into. So when someone, when someone comes to us for nutrition advice, it's almost guaranteed that we've ran into the same issues before, but two people almost always have like radically different things holding them back. Right. It's, it's unusual that they have the same thing. Um, if, we have a, if we have a group of 10 people, like if we do nutrition challenge, we sit down with 10 people. All 10 people have different things that are, that are, them back. That are making it hard to get their nutrition in. Yep. With the movement, it's not. Right. It's like, you, Every single one of you guys need to move more and we need to show up at the gym and we're gonna slowly add progression. Yeah. Like the prescription is, is within a pretty tight window yeah. and then on the nutrition, um, it's really broad. So maybe the quality, just, just the message of quality really hitting that is your 80-20. Yeah, and the quality is because, you know, the higher the quality is, a lot of other things of take of things. Up yeah. everything else. Yeah. Like, the 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 um, your macronutrients are better. Mm -hmm. You know the amount is is better. 
that if you can maximize the food quality, everything else improves. Right. It's 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 really difficult to see um, to get your macros wrong, like horribly wrong. Right. Yeah. If you're eating quality stuff. Yeah. It, almost, it can be off, but it's it not going to be. Always falls into 30% protein-ish in that area, yeah. And, yeah, and it just falls into place. And then on an individual basis, you can address yeah. their. We'll, we'll address individual habits. And nice. we, our first goal is usually to figure out, um, you know, what is the single thing that's making this most difficult? Yeah. Um, I have one guy right now, he's a corrections officer, mm-hmm. and he's done extremely well. And his answer was, I need to treat this like I treat my work. He's like, everything that we do is regimented because, you know, we need certain, we need certain uh, safeguards in place. Right. So he's like, you know, I show up to work, we follow these protocols all the time. Yeah. And so with his nutrition, the plan was, you know, now that he knows this is how many calories he's eating, here's his macros, here's, you know, what your meals are going to look like. He just took and did it. Yeah. And then every meeting we've had after that has been... I'm like, man, I don't really have to tell you. I don't really have a suggestion for you because you're on track. Yep. You're making great progress. It's perfect. It's, it's, it's not difficult for you to do. Keep doing that. <laughs> you just applied what you already knew yep. to this area. Yep. And within that framework, this has been really easy for you. Yep. And before, the struggle just was he just didn't have a plan. Yep. And so without a plan, it was like, oh, man, I you know, I maybe I eat out too much or this and that. But as soon as he had just a plan of like, okay, go do this. That was it. Yeah. The simple solution is often the right one. And that worked extremely well for him. And that doesn't, that doesn't always work for, for other people because, um, you know, if someone has kids and, oh, your kid's sick and now your whole plan is thrown off the window because, uh, your schedule is off, you know, that might not work for someone else, but for him, so will you, you just you just do it like you you do these other things, um, and it's easy for you. Yeah. You're not only uh, an affiliate owner and coach. Mm-hmm. You're also a certified financial planner. Planner, correct. correct. Just from that field, are there business principles, basic business principles that you can think of that you'd share with other affiliate owners to make sure that they're affiliate is is not only viable but thriving because the only way to get the results we want the impact on the community we want is for these gyms to survive and thrive and so any any advice or thoughts you have on on the business side of it well i think um you know from a general business perspective you have to pay yourself first okay you know that money has to that money has to go into your pocket so that you understand, um, you understand what you're putting into the gym. You understand your value. You understand what you're creating for people. Because it is a cost. Whether, whether you right. actually pay yourself or not, you're, the cost is there. Right. Right. So you got to pay yourself first. Okay. Second, and, and this, is, this is kind of like a higher level thing. I don't think people, I don't think people have fully bought into the concept to how important it is for your gym to survive and to create an asset for yourself. You know, something that is putting money in your pocket. And, you know, you can't, you can't help people if your gym's not doing well financially. You know, either you're going to quit or you're going to be forced to quit. Mm-hmm. And so the very best thing that you could do for your community is make sure it survives. Make sure 10, 20, 30 years from now 
There's one place people can go in town, they can show up, they're with a group of like-minded people, and that's like their, that's, uh, their little health oasis. Oasis, absolutely. Away from everything else. Like, when you go down the main street of a lot of cities, fast food, fast, fast food, food, fast food, fast food, yep. liquor store, fast food, yep. that's what you go on. But you got one spot, everyone has the same goal, everybody wants to see you succeed, no one's encouraging to do you know, things that you don't want to do or aren't good for you. Mm-hmm. So you, you first start with the premise that that needs to exist. And then second, you should think, what would happen if, if I got hit by a bus? You know, would, th- would this mm-hmm. oasis for all these people go away? And now I got this huge group of people that you care about, you know, they're not going to have that anymore. So if you, cr- if you run it like a business, and you really buy in to how do I make this an asset? How do I make this something that I, w- I could sell to another gym owner? Because another gym owner is not going to come in and buy your gym because um, they don't know those people. Right. You know, they, don't, they haven't built a relationship with those clients. So they're not going to come in and take on this debt, and take on this, this building, and take on all this responsibility unless it's financially um, in their best interest. Right, right. So, by creating, a, by creating the gym that is doing well financially, that you could take and sell to someone else and be like, yeah, that's, that's a quality business. I will step in and take care of it. You're making sure it survives mm-hmm. and that this is gonna run forever. So if it can't, if you don't do that and it can't sustain you, then you're either gonna quit or be forced to quit. And so I would say, you know, number one, pay yourself first. Mm-hmm. And then make sure that, you know, you change your perspective, you know, around the whole thing as the gym does need money to survive and trying to trying to view everything purely in terms of how you personally can sacrifice and help, which is most gym owners first, you know, first resort. Yeah. Do more, help out more. If if you're not being compensated for that and there's nothing coming in you can't do as much good for other people. It's, it's, not it's sustainable. Just, it's just not gonna work. Yeah. And so it can't just rely on you working really hard. Now, that doesn't mean that other people have to step in and volunteer. That means that they're paying the business enough that certain things can happen. You know, the building is maintained. The equipment is upgraded when it needs to be upgraded. There's money to reach out to new members. There's money for advertising. There's money for all these things. That's what it's supporting. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the rate that you're charging people is not about what goes into your pocket. You know, it's, that's what is needed for the operations. And that's how you're gonna reach new people and grow and make a difference. Mm-hmm. Without it, it's just, gonna, it's just gonna stick to this little group of people and you can't make the impact. And so, when, when the issue of rates or the issue of service or any of those things come up, you have to understand that you're not going to be able to make an impact unless you create the business that is an asset. Yep. And w- without it, it's not going to exist. And from that mindset then, charging, I think a lot of coaches are not afraid, but they don't want to you know, say this is what my rate is. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're happy to give a discount or charge less and everything. But really what you're doing is you're shooting yourself in the foot there you're minimizing your impact and not allowing the business to grow and become the asset you said so it is a thought that hey 
no, to provide the value I want, this is, this is what we, we need to charge. Right, and what, if, you, if you think of it in a different way, um, if, if you're undercharging, mm -hmm. then that means you are gonna go find money in a different way. Right. Now, what if you, what if you charge- make up that difference. What if you charge what was appropriate? Mm -hmm. You're essentially working and then donating that back in. Right. So instead, right. if you charge, now instead of working on this other thing, you could take all that time and dedicate all of that to changing lives through fitness. You know, you're not supplementing that. You're, you're effectively making a donation out of your own pocket, whether that's from your own um, time, because your time is valuable, or because you go, you go get money from somewhere else to support your lifestyle. Either one, that would give you time to make a bigger difference. Um, I lost my train of thought for a second. Um, but, but that is the... Yeah, and it, well, it's exactly what you're saying. It, it's, a, it, well, it's a numbers game. You understand the spreadsheet. So whether or not, if, if you don't charge what you need to charge, you're going to spend the time to make up for that shortfall somewhere. That, oh, it's going to come out of your pocket. You know, we, there, was, there was a time where, where it, we view CrossFit you know, in terms of health as the preventative side. Mm -hmm. you know? And what a lot of CrossFit coaches would, would benefit from learning is if you go into the cure side mm -hmm. and look at how much insurance pays these people to cure problems that you're preventing from happening in the first place, right. yeah. you know, they will pay, people are getting paid five times what you're making to cure a problem than what you're making to prevent that issue Absolutely. from happening. Absolutely. So you go in the physical therapy realm, sessions are 200 plus bucks. Yeah. People don't come out of pocket for it, it gets billed to insurance. Yeah. But you have to make a, an assessment. Do you think that this person performing heavy back squats under the care of a professional is better for their long-term joint health than this person doing a, you know. Physio ball. Some, <laughs> I hear you. Something yeah. of, of varying effectiveness. Right. There's, there's some phenomenal Absolutely. physical therapists yeah. out there that, that produce incredible results. Yes. There's some, you know, the results uh, aren't quite as good. Right. But both of those people are making five times what you're making because they're getting subsidized by insurance and you're not. So it's not, it's, it's, if you were to view that session cost and be like, wait a second, this person got hurt and now they have to pay $200 a session um, from insurance to go to this physical therapist. And now I'm worried about the rate that I charge, but this person has the benefit, A, of healthier joints than what this person had and all the enjoyment of their life not being injured and being stronger and fitter, where's the value creation? Are you creating more value by having this person lift heavy with great technique? Or is this person creating more value once they're hurt and they're, they're just taking them from they can't function to they can, they can function just in a, a, a regular lifestyle. Right. They can get in and right. out of the car, they can shower, but not taking them beyond that. Beyond that right. And so look, if. Pull up, a, pull up a chart, see what these guys are getting paid, covered through insurance and realize that, hey, and they're still getting paid if they don't show up. So yeah. this, person, this person's <laughs> making 200 a session yeah. and you're worried about 
what rate you charge. That, that kind of uh, highlights the value proposition this CrossFit coach is, is providing. Yeah, right and there. it's because CrossFit, that money only comes out of people's pockets. pockets. Instead of, I can just build insurance. It's, you, when, you, when you realize like the reason your insurance is so high is because these guys are getting paid $200 a session. Right, right. So you need to realize what these other professionals are charging. And if you're gonna say that, that you are improving people's health, now, the prevention is never valued as much as the cure. That's just the reality. You know, no one ever cares about preventing a problem. You know, they glorify like once you have a problem and someone can solve it, you know, that gets all the attention. That gets all of the, uh, that's seen as more valuable. But you're not seeing all the people who don't go there because they were strong and they didn't slip. Or instead of a major injury, it's a minor injury that you can treat at home. Yeah. You know, you're not seeing that. Yeah. And so you, because you don't, part of, part of it is you don't see it, so you don't think it's as valuable as it really right, is. Right, right, yeah. um, but when you, when you look at what is the cost of um, type two diabetes in older age, what is the cost of um, heart disease. Heart what is the cost of all yeah. these things? And you realize that there is no investment that you could make, you know, that you put that money in and then it would cover the cost yes. down the road. Yes. There's nothing. There's nothing that you're going to earn that kind of rate of return to cover the cost Never. of diabetes, cover that, cover having to go to physical therapy. There's nothing. Right. Nothing will give you the rate of return no. as paying for your health and fitness early on in life and using that over a lifetime. Right. And when you, go, when you go ask anybody, you know, ask anyone who's 80, 85, and say, what would you pay for another year? Or what would you pay to roll the clock back five years? Right. And the answer is, well, I would pay anything. Or to have this capacity at your age. Yeah. yeah. I would pay anything. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you that car. Yeah. If, I could, if you could tell me I'll have another year, I'll give you the car. Yeah. So you should make those decisions now mm -hmm. with that in mind, that when you get to that end point, all of this stuff that you accumulated, you'd get rid of it and sell if that meant extra time mm -hmm. or that meant extra ability. Yeah. So you shouldn't be making decisions today with that mindset, I'm gonna trade some of my health for anything else. Right. Because you know down the road, I would, I'd gladly give that stuff up in order to have the right. health that I made that trade off early on. Yeah. So I think a lot of coaches, you know, don't see them as part of the healthcare system. Um, and that's fine. Yeah. But part of CrossFit has been about improving health, Absolutely. always from the beginning. Absolutely. Through that idea of the sickness, wellness, fitness continuum, and through increased work capacity, yep. that keeps you healthy. Yep. You, just don't, you, just, you just don't see it until later on in life when people hit certain ages where all their friends, you know, are not doing quite as well. Yeah. And the affiliate is the center, truly the center of health, healthcare mm -hmm. in the community. Um, I, got, I got to tell you, so the affiliates are the lifeblood of CrossFit and the coaches who are on the front lines, spreading the message, doing the work with the, with the athletes, with the clients are the true heroes in CrossFit. And in this discussion I've had with you today, and I, I didn't know you before today, either I just poked around on your Instagram, watched some, some podcasts with you. 
you truly epitomize what what CrossFit envisions as the tip of the spear in coaching. I mean, the way you talk about CrossFit, the way you think about it, the way you think about your client's experience, nutrition, all this stuff, dude, awesome. Thank you. This this was awesome. Thank you so much for for coming out here. And uh, man, man, I'm fired up. I, I got nothing else to say, but you fired me up today, man. Really cool. Thank yeah, you appreciate, so much. Man. I appreciate the invitation. Yeah. No, this was great. We got more to talk about, and we'll uh, we'll do that at some time. But um, yeah, we'll definitely stay in touch, and uh, hopefully see you out here some more. And, and but really great. Thank you so much. Awesome.